Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Relentless Daring on Podbean.com. Welcome to the land of bourbon and bad decisions. This is Relentless Daring on Podbean.com or the Podbean app or the once and hopefully not only crossover with the Whiskey Pod. Um, this week I had the amazing opportunity to talk with the apparent new co-host of Relentless Daring, Andrew Heaton, about his new book, Los Angeles is Hideous, Poems About an Ugly City. Uh, It was a great conversation. We kind of meandered over a little bit of policy stuff. We tried to keep it as apolitical as possible because it's you know, going both to be on the Relentless Daring uh, podcast feed as well as the Whiskey Pod podcast feed, which was really sad because I was driving home and there was obviously no whiskey involved during the interview. Sadness. But please enjoy the interview. Um, It was a great time talking with Andrew, catching up with him. It was such a great time. I think you'll really enjoy this interview. So without further ado... Here is Mr. Andrew Heaton. And so, Andrew, welcome back to the show. Delighted to be back. Thank you, Tyler. Yeah, um, so the reason I invited you back on is because recently you became a number one bestseller in poetry on Amazon with your new book, Los Angeles is hideous. Poems about an ugly city. Uh, what inspired that book? Uh, you you were correct. I am at this exact moment as we're talking. I am the number one poetry bestseller on Amazon, which is not how I thought my career was going to go <laughs> at all. Uh, yet yesterday, I did. I was on Glenn Beck's show, and he read one of my poems that had very choice language in it, and it was one of the more surreal moments of my life because if you talk to me at twenty-seven when I had a very different relationship with Glenn and uh, wasn't doing any poetry at all, I, you would not have been able to convince me one day I'd be sitting in a little room with him as he read funny poems wrote about Los Angeles. Um, I, uh, I wrote it because I lived in Los Angeles for about six months during 2020 and found it to be such an aesthetically horrific city that I really couldn't wrap my head around it and ultimately had to make a funny coffee table book capturing the anguish I experience when I drive through that asphalt carbuncle. But I mean, it's Los Angeles. There's so many sites to see, so much stuff to do. I mean, what what could have possibly made Los Angeles in 2020 a uh, total shit show? 
Well, I'm I'm glad that you're being kind to Los Angeles. I'm I'm glad that you're being you're being generous. I actually I disagree with the sites to see thing because it's like what do they got? They have a bunch of letters on a on a hill. That's what they got. They got letters on a hill. If if you did the exact same thing in Topeka, Kansas, or Topeka, well, I don't know wherever Topeka is, right? Nobody would be like we should drive to Topeka to see a bunch of letters on a hill there. It would be ridiculous. That's what they've got going. They don't have Mount Rushmore. They don't have marble buildings. They have basically a uh, a nasty street with a bunch of names in cement and some letters on a hill. That's the site they've got going for them. Uh, in terms of 2020, um, it was a hard lockdown. I mean, it was, it was a very intense lockdown. Um, and... Uh, like that removed any career benefit from the city for me. And it also removed any community building or social building that I could do. So I was kind of miserable while I was out there. And, uh, and then you just add to general malfeasance that's been in California for a while. Uh, like I promise for listeners of the show, the book's very funny, but I'm going to go on a political <laughs> tirade because that's my want, but the, the book's funny. You're not going to get policy analysis with it. Um, the reason Los Angeles is so sprawling, which it's famous for, is not some random thing. It's because back in the 40s through the 60s, the city fathers of the town banned multiple family dwelling units. That is to say they outlawed apartment buildings because they wanted to make sure that they, they didn't want black people to move into the neighborhoods. And they knew that if they if they went through housing additions, you could have a, a what's called a neighborhood covenant where all the neighborhood had to agree whether or not you could buy the house or not, which was a way of letting white people vet races they didn't like. <laughs> and so basically they outlawed Los Angeles' ability to build up. Right now, as we're speaking, about 80% of the developable real estate in Los Angeles is still that way. You can't build uh, multiple family units. You can't build apartments. And so not surprisingly, when you have a city with millions of people in it that by law cannot build up like you do in, say, Manhattan, it builds out and you get this sprawling, just dribbling out low quality maple syrup on a driveway, oozing all over the place at three millimeters high kind of city. Uh, and I would say I can't imagine what that's like. Unfortunately, one of my many careers has been an over the road truck driver. Mm -hmm. And there's one city I absolutely hated going to, and it was Chicago. Hmm. Okay. And, and Chicago starts kind of like Los Angeles, 50 miles before you get to the actual city of Chicago. And they have this one highway through through the city. It's called the Dan Ryan Expressway. Uh -huh. And it's a total misnomer because there's nothing express about it. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's just it's just a sluggish artery. It, it, it's in a semi where you don't get above third gear for an hour and you've gone three miles. Oh my God! Yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 fortunately, I've never had to drive through Chicago, but I would still choose that over driving through LA because at least, like, I don't know, Chicago at least has seasons and it's near a lake and it does end at some point. Plus, Chicago has a core. Los Angeles doesn't have a core. Like, it, it's not like an amoeba where there's a nucleus. It's just, it's really seven or eight cities, most of which are ugly, that kind of tumored into each other and then got declared a city. And uh, it, 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 it is similar to what you're describing of that, just that it, it, it's sluggish. The traffic's horrible. There's a poem in the book called An Ode to Traffic, which memorializes this phenomenon. And, uh, and, and it, it's this weird place where the, the time and space of Los Angeles alters depending on the day. If you're a mile away from me at 3 o'clock, it feels as if you're 30 miles away from me at 4 o'clock because the traffic's going to alter all those things. Yeah, and I said, I've... I've been through some places where, you know, 
I living near cities that are nowhere near the size of Los Angeles, uh, stationed at Fort Hood. We, we live, you know, hour from Austin mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah, Austin wasn't bad every now and then 35 would back up trying to drive into it. But, you know, if, if you know the, know how to get to the toll roads, you can bypass huge chunks of the city. And same thing with Dallas, uh-huh. as much as Dallas aggravates. Yeah, those things, I, I could be in Los Angeles on a regular, you know, not pandemic-influenced lockdowns and all that, but just on the... A regular normal day in Los Angeles trying to navigate that. Yeah, it's regardless of whether there's a pandemic or not, it's not a pleasant place. Uh, really, the only thing that has going for it is that it doesn't rain very often, and so it's easy to film there. And uh, and the interpretation of the locals is that it has very clement weather. Like, I get mo- most people are summer people. I get that. Most people like beaches. I get that. I am not on either camp. Uh, I think you need seasons to remind you you're going to die. Otherwise, aging sneaks up on you. I have a, a, a poem in the in the, the, the book uh, entitled Only Cowards Fear Winter, where I hypothesize that you, you need to have fall and winter every year because you need to have a moment where it gets really cold out and you look at a bunch of dead trees and go, I too will one day shuffle off this mortal coil. If you don't have that, if there's nothing that marks the seasons and it's just sunny and pleasant all the time, you wake up and you're 52 and you've got a skateboard and a hoodie and roommates and you sleep on a beanbag. you got to be careful about these things. Yeah, it's amazing how many people would actually like the prospect of that. I yeah. feel bad for them. It's yeah, I like I, you know, to each his own. It's just it's just not for me though. And like I, I don't like like beaches to me are just a desert with a hole at the end. I'm not interested in going to the beach. I'm particularly not going now uh, that I'm 37. Like when I was 27, there might be like cute girls. 37, it's gonna be my fat friends, just my like my married male fat friends, and we're gonna drink a beer. We're gonna drink a beer near some dead fish in a big stretchy litter box with some sharks. I no thanks. I'd rather go to the mountains. Which is really funny because my dad at 70, he actually enjoys the beach, but for different reasons. Because now he's he's at that point where it's like, eh, everyone's out on the beach during the day. I'll just wake up early and go walk along in the morning when there's no one there. Yeah. Does he, does he do the treasure hunting thing? No. Um, so I, I have family lives that lives in Daytona, another uh-huh. Nice, sprawling, massive city. Yeah. And so once or twice a year, he goes to Daytona and, you know, visit, you know, visit his daughter and, uh, you know, family down there. And he just gets up early and pours a cup of coffee. And he just goes and walks up and down the beach where his uh, Airbnb is. And then as soon as people start amassing on the beach, nope, I'm out. Yeah, that, that, that sounds pleasant. Like I, I would go if I were, I don't know, if I were on vacation near a beach, I would walk around in the morning, but I'd much rather go to a forest. And uh, plus, L.A. doesn't even have that good beaches. And the other thing that I found really weird about L.A. is people would go, uh, it's so, well, it, you know, it's not a very pretty place, but it's always sunny and warm and there's a beach nearby. And I'm like, right. But that describes everywhere in California, like everywhere on the coast, like up until you get to San Francisco, it's sunny and warm and there's a beach. You could you live three hours north of here and like your cost of living would drop by 80%. Uh, 
Uh, you wouldn't have traffic to deal with. You you could you could do all these different things. Ah, yeah, I don't get it. Don't get it. Yeah, California is one of those weird states, and the fact that it has so many different places you can live that's not L.A. Yeah, agree. Yeah. Or like, like I've never been to San Diego. San Diego is supposed to be quite nice, and it's all those same benefits as climate weather. It's supposed to be like seventy degrees ninety or ninety percent of the time, and all that. But like, just go move to San Diego, unless you're actively working in film. Like I don't remotely understand people that go to L.A. and then like work in banking. That makes no sense to me at all. Right, and of course, I really can't talk a whole lot about California. The only experience I have with California is um, the Mojave Desert. Uh-huh. Close to LA I've been is Victorville because that's where the army flies you into uh-huh. when you go to uh, Fort Irwin to do your 30-day training rotation out in the desert, mm-hmm. which that's always so much fun, especially in February where it's like, it's 90 degrees. This sucks. And uh. then the sun goes down and it's 20 degrees and this sucks even more. Yeah, no, deserts are not for me. I have, I have zero desire to do them. Uh, and just the fact that Los Angeles looks like a tie, like a city made out of tiling grout. Like it's oh it's God, just, it's, horrible. It, it's yeah, it's like, like imagine like tiling grout, laundromats, strip malls, and a lot of like rusty vending machines. That's the aesthetic of most <laughs> of Los Angeles. It's just this, and it's like kind of hot and dusty and like there's trash and like I've, it's, I like, like so like New York for example. I lived in New York for a while. New York mm-hmm. exhausts me. It is exhausting, but I think there's wonderful things about it. Like I would live there if I were a millionaire, maybe. Uh, but but as it is, it's just you know if, if you want to live in New York, you either need to be very hot, very young, or very rich. And I myself am incredibly handsome, so I've got one <laughs> of those three things going for me. But uh, I'm not that wealthy, so I eventually kind of got I don't want to say priced out. I just got like attentioned out. I ended up drifting away. But I don't hate the place. And I don't think it's that uh, there, there are ugly spots, but there are very beautiful spots. Uh, you know, Central Park is gorgeous. There's all this wonderful um, kind of big, grand Gothic architecture of, you know, we have made canyons of steel and glass using brains and brawn, and we've conquered the world and made skyscrapers. And so you're kind of, you're impressed when you're walking around it with our species. In Los Angeles, you're like, oh, another strip mall. <laughs> okay. Huh. All right. Some more houses that are weird, half-assed attempt at Adobe Art Deco kind of stuff with bars over the windows because apparently we're in the used tire district, which is everywhere in the city. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the things you, you talk about, you know, the aesthetics of Los Angeles. But a city that peaked in the 1930s, you know, with the rise of Hollywood and all that, there, you figure there'd be a lot more, you know, art deco and mm-hmm. instead it's like I apologize. The phone cut out there, so I, I heard that you you think there'd be more art deco, but I lost you after that. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I figured, you know, with the uh, there'd be more art deco there, and it's like, yeah, we're doing this. It looks grand, and uh, oh, look, something new, something else to do, new art style, and right. all in the same building. That that would be great, but as it is, it's a series of warehouses, and uh, and and you know, just. 
Oh man, I'm glad to be out of there. I, I am I am very pleased. You'd have to pay me a lot of money to move back to LA. Oh. Uh, I, I I would not I would not as I did this last time fling myself at it in hopes that it turned into something. That was a maybe not a bad plan, not knowing the pandemic was going to happen. It certainly wasn't an aesthetically conducive one. Drizzly is the leading home alcohol delivery service available. Imagine being able to sit at home and pull up your smartphone and browse your favorite wine, beer, spirits, and then have it delivered to your home in as little as one hour. Go to drizzly.com or check out the link in the show notes and start shopping today. Not available in all areas. Please drink responsibly. Drizzly.com. Justin Robert Young, he's also been on this show, uh, a good friend of yours. Uh-huh. He was from yeah. Oakland, correct? Yeah, yeah, he's from Oakland, that's right, yeah. Well, he's he's actually from Florida, but he lived in Oakland for eight years, uh, up till recently when he moved to Texas. So, how would, you know, Oakland, which, you know, I'm in the Midwest, Midwest has its own views on a lot of these, you know, East and West Coast cities, how would Oakland compare aesthetically to yeah, Los Angeles? So, so Oakland is better than Los Angeles. Um, there's really no city in California that's worse than Los Angeles in terms of just sheer hideousness. What, what Oakland has going for it and what San Francisco have going in, everywhere in Northern California, like right. Oakland's not a terribly attractive city. Like it's not like you wouldn't, think about the beautiful architecture in Oakland so much, but it has, it has two things. One, it does have an actual core to it. Like you do feel like you're in a city rather than a never ending sprawling suburb. There is an actual appreciable downtown area that you can walk around at. There's a Harbor that you can go to. Justin and I would walk down there, smoke a cigar and drink a beer every Friday. It was very pleasant. And then the, the real benefit to Oakland, I think is that you are Frisbee distance from redwood trees in every direction you go. That uh, when I was out there, because I, I was covering the 2020 election, I was collaborating with Justin. So I was staying in my camper on the streets during the week. And then come Friday, I would putter off. I'd drive 15, 20 minutes, and I would be in a massive Ewoks on indoor style forest that I could really soak up for a weekend. So there's there's great forests in that area, and you don't have to you don't have to drive far or work hard to get to them. So Oakland's really nice in that regard. And all of this compared to your new residence in Tulsa. That's right. Uh, well, Tulsa's clearly a superior city to Los Angeles. Uh, I, well, well, I will, I will acknowledge that Los Angeles has much more, uh, much more economic opportunity by virtue of having a billion people piled on top of each other and having demonstrably stronger uh, a film industry. Um, the tree per human ratio in Tulsa is far better than Los Angeles. Los Angeles is a desert that people like to pretend is Vermont. That's one of the reasons that they have a water <laughs> problem over there. The palm trees aren't indigenous to LA. They're not from there. They just added them in. They, they shoved all these palm, all of which I'm, I'm borrowing heavily from the book. Uh, they, they took these palm trees and shoved them into the local environment. Like basically, from my opinion, basically like trying to gussy up a, a corpse by, by giving it Botox injections. And uh, no, Tul- Tulsa's in the, it's kind of in the foothills of the Ozarks. So mm-hmm. even though, even though Oklahoma is mostly flat, uh, when you get into eastern Oklahoma, where Tulsa is located, 
you start to get hills. You definitely get trees. There's lots of um, leafy green areas in Tulsa that are very pretty. Uh, and one of the other benefits, I think, to Tulsa that is underappreciated in mid-sized cities, that, and I think this dichotomy applies to a lot of places, is Tulsa's big enough to have culture, to have events, to have things to do, to have quirky, interesting things. Big enough for that. Because you're not, you're not likely to get that in a town of 20,000 people. However, it's not so big that you have lots of options to do those things. So there's a cigar bar I like called Magic Cigars here in Tulsa. There's only two cigar bars in Tulsa proper. So if you like cigars, you are going to see everyone in Tulsa who likes cigars. And you're going to make friends with black people and Mexicans and uh, uh, transgender people and gay people. And kind of anybody that you might encounter that likes cigars is going to be there. And we're all friends. We all get along. Now, I think that in, in much bigger cities, one of the things that happens is people tend to clump with whoever they work with or who they feel comfortable with because they can. And I don't think that it's some sort of subconscious bigotry or anything like that. I think it's just you happen, you just feel comfortable hanging out with people you're familiar with. In a mid-sized city, you end up rubbing elbows with a lot of people that you otherwise wouldn't meet because you just kind of have to if you're going to go out and do stuff. And it's cool. It's a nice effect. Like uh, Tulsa has a really good melting pot feel to it that I've not anticipated. Yeah. And I don't have a lot of experience in, in Tulsa. I mean, I, again, I used to drive a truck. I've been all around Tulsa and fun fact, Tulsa has a port. No one would have thought a landlocked city would have a port, right. but it does. Yeah. Oh, uh, right up the road from you in a uh, Catoosa. That's right. And port there- of Catoosa, the furthest, most inland port in the United States. And yeah, it's I've been there many times, taking steel into for barge repair and uh-huh. bringing rolls of steel out to take to plants to get stamped out into products. It's very, very interesting dynamic down there. Yeah, so we, we've got this old cabin about 30 minutes from Catoosa in Wagner, Oklahoma, and we have a really old boat, like a boat. And when I say boat, please do not think of a yacht or or anything you would take a date on like i want you to picture basically a lawnmower with a rotor it's it's a very old crappy boat it doesn't work anymore <laughs> my brother kind of fixed it up and he wanted to name i wanted to call it the hms thatcher he wanted to call it the sea bitch and his his goal at one point was to fix up the boat take it to the port of catusa take the port of catusa down the mississippi pop out the uh, in the gulf and then drive to Australia. That was his goal, was in a <laughs> tiny little boat to do this thing. And I was like, you know, not a bad, that would be a fun adventure. He'd almost certainly have died, but it would have been real interesting <laughs> until, until that happened. Yeah, I, I I don't know how much further past uh, the Arkansas River he would have made it, but, you know, yeah. it's good to have goals in life. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but no, and I've, I've had so many fun adventures uh, up and down uh, US 69 there in eastern Oklahoma. Uh-huh. I, I, I got to spend Christmas night in Muskogee one year. Excellent. Okay. I know That's Muskogee. Because, well, the only reason that happened is because uh, a suicidal deer ran from my car. Man, deer, <laughs> suicidal deer. You got to be careful about those things. It might have been suicidal. It might have just been really horny. That's one of the things that happens when it's, when it's deer mating season. The, the, the bucks go nuts and just run across the road. Uh, it, uh, that was, uh, then the next, next day was a great adventure. We had to... Uh, had to find out how to get to the uh, rent-a-car rent place to get a car and then uh-huh. drive way out in the middle of nowhere to where the tow truck took our van to, to go get all of our Christmas stuff and bags and all that from, you know, spending the holidays with the family and get loaded up into this little rental car with 
five people, three dogs, and everything we need to stay for a week in Missouri and <laughs> then head back to Fort Hood. Yeah. All the uh, all the fun times. Uh, yeah. It's I like I, I'm enjoying being back in the middle of the country. There's there's weird stuff that happens. You can get into cool adventures. Oh, absolutely. Of course, you know, and you're also you're from uh, Edmond, Oklahoma, right? Down by That's right. OKC. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I, I hate to tell you this, but Edmond is not on my list of favorite places in Oklahoma. Me neither. I, I like, I grew up in Edmond and, uh, Ed, Edmond is a very boring place. And it's also, Ed, Edmond is just, it is just a bedrock community. It is, it is at its essence, a suburban, uh, a suburban plantation of bedrooms that feeds into Oklahoma city. So there's no reason you'd ever hang out in Edmond other than convenience. But if you're like, if you're in Edmond, you go to Oklahoma city for everything because Edmond doesn't have its own really identity or core to it. It's just kind of a blob on the outsides of it. I, I feel like when Edmond was founded, because originally it was called summit, which is ridiculous because it's flat as a pancake. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when, when summit was founded, I think the devil like came to town, met with the leaders and was like, Hey, I'm going to make it over you. Um, going to be a very safe place except for one postal shooting but other than that very safe place but the deal is nothing interesting will ever happen here and they went deal take it good yes and um still going strong yeah mine's a funny story involving uh so that exit when you get off right as you're getting into oklahoma city on i-44 and there's you get the exit for edmund there's like the two truck stops and then, you know, for, a little further down the road, you have the, the amusement park right there on the outskirts of OKC. Mm-hmm. One night, probably two o'clock in the morning, I'm spending the night at one of these truck stops because trucker, yet you have to park for the night. And I get woke up with thump, thump, thump. What was that? Thump, thump, thump. Uh, open the curtain on a truck and great. There's a trailer right there. Someone back in my truck. God dang it. I go look out the door and there's a girl standing there. Don't think anything about it. Normal clothes. I crack the door. You want some company? Hmm. Wait, wait, what? Say that again. I'm barely awake. You want some company? No. Slam the door, lock it and... Then it took me like two hours back to sleep. I was so mad because uh, because a uh, a lady of the night decided that she needed to uh, see if I wanted to pay for her pay for whatever where she was selling that evening. And this this was in Edmond. This yeah, that right there in Edmond. I'm like, oh my gosh! I, really? I did not know that we we had any ladies of the night in Edmond. I believe you. I just I'm thinking there's probably only three. So like, I if I if I if I knew the area better, I'd be like, oh yeah, that'd be Sharon. Yeah, yeah, I'll tell Sharon not to bug people. Which gotta say, the etiquette there was pretty bad. If you were if you were asleep, you know, if you were like yeah. smoking a cigarette, watching porn uh, on your phone, that'd be a good time. Yeah, it is like, like you said, and if this was down on the south side of Oklahoma City, you know, down the Norman end, yeah, okay, working through college, I, you know, it makes sense. You know, you gotta pay bills. Like I said, this is. On the Edmond side of town, I'm like, mm-hmm. this just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, <laughs> and and in Oklahoma of all places, I've been around Chicago, Baltimore, all of the, all these large cities. Only the only place it ever happened, Edmond, Oklahoma. 
you sort of had a unique experience because I have never I have never been solicited for sex in in Edmonds, uh, nor have I offered uh, uh, sex for money in Edmonds. So I didn't realize that was a feature of the city. Uh, you you have actually, and I appreciate this. You you have made my my hometown more interesting than I thought it was, which delights me. Uh, well, I'm glad I could do that that much for you. Again, Andrew, thanks for coming on and talking about your book and your time in Los Angeles. Uh, mm-hmm. Great talking to you. Hope to have you on again. And f- another little fun fact, not only are, the on- are you the only repeat guest on this show, uh-huh. you're currently at three appearances on Relentless Dairy. <laughs> Very well. You know what? I'm, I'm deeply flattered you, to be you, back. You, you, are, you are officially the ambassador to my podcast. Nice. I think I, I think I'm legally I'm legally your co-host now. If I've been on three times, uh, well, Tyler, it was, it was a pleasure to be back. The book again is Los Angeles is hideous. Poems about an ugly city. And thanks for having me on. All right, thank you, and glad to have you back. So again, I would like to thank you for joining me and Andrew on this. Wonderful little conversation that we had. Um, be sure to check out his book, Los Angeles is Hideous, Poems About an Ugly City. Uh, you can get it on Kindle. You can get the hard copy of the book on Amazon. Check it out. Uh, you can check out Andrew's podcast because, like me, he has two podcasts. He has The Political Orphanage, where we discuss politics and generally make fun of them and very smart with a sense of humor. Or you can also check out his other podcast, Alienating the Audience, for those of you who are into sci-fi and speculative fiction, movies and novels and stuff. It's it's a great listen. I love checking it out. It's uh, one of my favorite ones to listen to. It's really, really good. Um, Again, thank you so much for listening. If you want to support this show, be sure to go to RelentlessDaring.com. You can hit the shop link, and there you can buy t-shirts, hats, stuff like that. Or you can hit the donate button. And there you can do a one-time or recurring payment. And all of that goes into making this show better for you. So again, thank you so much for listening to this special edition of Relentless Daring and the Whiskey Pod, which is why you're hearing both music drops from both shows, just because I want to share it with listeners of both audiences. So again, thank you so much for listening and be sure to check out Andrew's show and be sure to support the show. And again, thank you so very much for listening. And as always, stay relentless. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.